This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from. With new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned, because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Hey! Hey! Welcome to Shrink Chicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. <laughs> We've been doing, I have to say, we've been doing such a better job looking at the camera when we talk. Because we're on YouTube now, guys. So if you're listening and for some reason, not entirely sure why, you would like to see our faces while we talk about this, you can apparently look at us on YouTube where Jen and I try very hard to look at the camera, but we're very bad at it. Really bad at it. Also, last time we were like... Okay, let's get started. I feel like a news anchor. <laughs> <laughs> because we're like having the papers here. Yeah, oh my yeah. God. <clears throat> what a cool job that must be. I'll Being hold my job. I'll hold my paper like this. Do you think you would be good at that? You know, it's funny as I went to Penn State, right? And you know, Penn State has the largest meteorologist program and like half of the meteorologists on the Weather Channel are from Penn State. No way. Do you know that? I, I had no clue. Me either. I have no idea what to do, what this has to do with any of this subject besides that's one random fact that I know. Also, I feel like anyone could be a meteorologist. You know, you could just be like, it might rain and then it doesn't rain. You're like, just kidding. I would bet that meteorologists would not feel that. I way. know. I apologize to any. <laughs> that's like when your husband. Wait, that's oh, like, oh, wait, let's talk about your husband for a second. Wait a second. If you want to talk about somebody who oversimplifies a career, your husband tells us every day how he basically is a therapist. He was like, he's always like, I have no formal training, <laughs> and I could be a therapist. I'm like, okay, honey. Sure. Like he said every time we talk to him, and I will say this: Bill always does calm me down. When I got COVID, he Do was my voice of reason. We're not, he's, he's never listened say, to this, so he'll have, never hear yeah, it. Perfect. He's, he's never listened to an episode, so he'll have no idea if I'm giving perfect. him this compliment. Because he's going to be like, I have no formal, see, I have no formal training. <laughs> I'm going to be like, oh, fuck. 
<laughs> so we're back for part two of Q and A because there was just so many that came in last time. We have so many questions, and we know a lot of people wanna... have a lot of stuff going on. So we are going to do a part two of this, and that's it. And that's it. Let's <laughs> let's start it up. Okay. What do we? <laughs> we wanted. To, so last time we talked a lot about life transitions. And I think that this time, one, one of the biggest topics we got was around relationships and boundaries. And, you know, we love talking about boundaries. If you have listened to our episodes <laughs> in the past, we apologize if we're just reiterating that over and over again. But I think that if we dive into some relationship and boundary stuff, it'll be helpful for people. Okay. Um, I'm just going to throw one out there. Do it. I don't really get along with my brother, but my mom acts like we do and guilt trips us into hanging out. <laughs> what do you want to say about that one? I guess my um, first qu- first thing that comes to my mind is how do you communicate about that with your mom? Um, I wonder what's going on with your mom that she feels this like real pressure or need to keep you guys together in some way. Um, guilt trips are funny. I don't know if funny is the right word. Yeah. But like for me specifically, guilt trips run in my family. It's like part of the culture. Exactly. Um, I love to call out a guilt trip. I love to say it sounds like you're trying to guilt trip me. If someone guilt trips me, I go the complete opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can say guilt trips are almost a form of manipulation. Yeah. And... You know, sometimes it's just the way in which we've learned to communicate uh, or say like, hey, listen, it's actually really important to me that you and your brother are close. And so that's this is what's coming up for me. It sounds like mom has difficulty expressing that. Um, But I do think even the fact that you're saying, hey, don't get along with my brother like this isn't a great relationship. Mm -hmm. The fact that you're acknowledging that for yourself means that you're thinking about putting your own needs before your mom's needs, your mom's need of wanting you guys together. I have uh, something I'm going to say. This leads back to the Kardashians. And I've realized that this is a weird tie-in. So stay with me here, okay? Which is, I noticed this really interesting shift of how people relate to their siblings when we look at other siblings we see out in the world. So when we see, like, right? So people, a lot of people, millennials, you know, started experiencing the Kardashians around 2005. And we're talking about people that are, like, obsessed with their siblings and obsessed with their family and blood is thicker than water and, like, all this stuff, right? Which I still don't fully understand what that saying means. But... I think that there's a feeling of like we are either. better if we're close. Right. Our family is better and safer if we are close. That's not necessarily true for everyone. Some people have chosen family and they're simply not close with their siblings. I was at I think I've I don't know if I told this story. Did I tell the story in the last episode actually? I'm not sure. Tell me. About <laughs> someone being like, I hate my siblings. Like No, I don't think oh, so. I was um somebody had written in actually, this is funny, and said, like, can you guys do an episode about having like one and done like kids? And this is very funny because obviously a lot of people say, like, Emily, you're going to have more kids. And I really don't know the answer to that at this point in my life. But it was funny because one of the things everyone says when they say you're going to have more kids, it's always because don't you want them to have a sibling? Oh, and we I, talked about this in private. Like, we, we talked about this, oh, about this, this in private. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I was at a wedding. It's hard this, to tell because we talked to talk to each other yes. all the time. I was at a wedding this summer. It was a wedding that Millie was a flower girl in. Yeah. So we had her there. We're like talking to people. She went home to the hotel. I'm like staying at this wedding. Um, oh, the wedding I was fat shamed at. <laughs> For any listeners who heard that. What, part, a, right? fun, what a fun Yes, wedding. it was a really great time. But 
one of the things me and this guy are talking at the bar and he's like oh your daughter's so cute she's only one whatever and he said oh I have a daughter too and I said oh well then you know what question everybody asks and he says yes am I gonna have more and the answer is no I fucking hate my brother <laughs> I would rather have been an only child and I'm gonna keep my daughter an only child it works for our family and so I think when we do this thing about like don't you want them to have this don't you want them to have that and that's great if it works out but sometimes two siblings are just very different personalities and they're not that close. I think sometimes they are. I think it's easy to idealize situations, right? Like, oh, if we if we if we if they have a sibling, then they're definitely gonna be close, right? So like did mom have a picture of the two of you? Like when she had kids, she was like, Oh, we need to we need them to have a sibling because the two of them are gonna be so close. And is it, you know, uh, conflicting with her expectations about what the future looked like for her children Mm -hmm. right and I think that that happens so often you're right like people don't have a good relationship with their siblings all the time and you can't control that yeah right and so I think it's okay to acknowledge that like that's not where your relationship is um and I think to the the thing that you said Em about a chosen family is really important and something to highlight because as we see other families where they're close and they have this connection, we're like, oh, I want that. And so we try to almost fit a square peg into a round hole mm-hmm. and say, oh, well, how do I create that? How do I hold on to this relationship? But when you really look at the relationship, you can say, okay, that that's actually not working for me. So tangible advice for this person. I would want to call it out to mom. Mom, I know you love me hanging out the family and I'd love to make that happen sometimes, but it maybe is not going to happen all the time. Right? Or ever. But, or ever. But when you say this to me, it feels a bit like a guilt trip. So I'm wondering if you're trying to communicate something else to me, right? There's a function behind guilt trips. It's a function of maybe fear. If you guys aren't close, what happens to our family? Fear. If you guys aren't close, does that mean I failed as a mother, right? Like there's like a function behind mm-hmm. stuff that I would want to be interested in knowing what's underneath. But you can set a boundary and not do any of that. <laughs> and that's why we're talking about boundaries. Today. Yep. <clears throat> okay. What would healthy boundaries look like for a child parent who is a bully but you still love? Hold on. <laughs> what would healthy boundaries look like for a child parent? Thank you. <laughs> Wait, what is it? What you say? Child whose parent is a bully. Uh... <laughs> I was like, what's a child parent? <laughs> I didn't know what that meant. Okay. All right, we got it. Thank you. Um, say it again. <laughs> <laughs> What would healthy boundaries look like for a child who has a parents th- a parent that's a bully? But you still love. But you still love. Well, I mean, of course you love them. It's your parent, right? Like that's like a biological connection and attachment. But you also do not have to take bullying or criticism because it's your parent, right? So like let's have a conversation about overly critical parents. Let's have a whole episode on overly (laughs) critical parents. And what that does to you, right? If you have a parent who that is like literally, there's people that act like that's part of connection, right? Like, oh, we, that's what we do in my family. We We rag on each other. Yeah, we criticize, we make jokes, right? But like, there can't, there's no jokes if there's not safety. (laughs) That's not a thing. I also think, you know, when you have a parent that's been critical of you your whole life, it starts, and like when you're a child and you're trying to understand who you are and who you are in connection to the world Mm -hmm. and your relationship with your parent is the model of that. 
And when your parent is consistently saying something critical to you or is a bully to you, you start to internalize that. Mm -hmm. And so I think something to ask yourself is like, what is that like for me when my parent is bullying or saying something critical to me? How have I handled it in the past? Almost like kind of keep tabs on it. Mm-hmm. Have I ignored it? <clears throat> right. So look at yourself. Like do a little assessment. In the past, have I ignored it and avoided it? Have I laughed it off and made a joke about it? Have I criticized them back? Right. So like use that as your spectrum of gauge. Right. And how has that worked for you? Mm-hmm. Right. Ignoring it, is it still happening? Criticizing them back, does it just give them more ammunition for that to be part of our communication? So just to think about in a kind of systemic nature, because we love thinking about things in a systemic way, how has my reaction to it um, maybe kind of cycled into like what our communication looks like now? Um, Because as we talk about like the definition of, is the definition of... What's that saying? The definition of crazy is like doing the same thing. Oh, over insanity is doing insanity, the same thing. Insanity, right, over right. Over Could again. not get the word. Yeah. So, so to think about, okay, well, what can I do differently? How can I respond differently to this? How the ways in which I was responding, how is that working? How is that not working for me? And what can I do differently? What do these boundaries look like? So let's talk about what those boundaries can look okay, like. Okay, so healthy boundaries. I would say one of the healthiest boundaries you can make is you can't speak to me like that. I won't allow you to speak to me that way. A really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil, keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair cut or went to the salon, which is, of course, the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you, it's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty-free and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I used this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post-construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that Pros takes into consideration with their customization. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash shrinkchicks. I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on 
their accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. If my daughter pushes me or kicks me, right? She's not trying to hurt me, but I still need to set a boundary. Even if she's doing it, like like toddlers do that, like sometimes they like push or kick. Like I have to say like, I can't let you hit me like that. I can't let you hit other people like that. I cannot let you do this. So I can't let you speak to me that way. And I'll have to leave if you continue to. Now, typically, if in the past you have laughed it off or ignored it, they're not gonna take your boundary Seriously. And that's one of the things you have to remember about setting badges is we think it's gonna work after one try. That's I don't know where that idea came from. That's not how any of this works. I think it would just be easier, it wouldn't would, it? It sure as heck would. Yeah. It sure as heck would. Really but what's you're gonna have to know is that you're gonna set it initially, you're gonna say something, and it's going to be, oh what? Yeah. Oh like, what? You're you sensitive. Can't take it. Yeah, like, oh, what, oh you're having sensitive? a rough day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's going to where be, are they from? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> Like but, so there's going to be some type of dismissing and there's going to be some type of maybe infantilization, right? Mm. And what you can say for that is, no, I'm actually having a really good day. And I've decided that I'm not going to let anyone speak poorly to me anymore. That's what I'm doing in my life. That's it. And if you say, okay, if you keep talking to me like that, I'm going to leave or we're not going to talk or you have to I'm follow. Have the phone. You have to follow through with that. Yes, you do. Because that's another thing is if you say that and then you don't follow through with it, there is no boundary. There is. And that's what you have to remember is if there is intermittent reinforcement, you only do it sometimes, it's not going to work out well. Because also people aren't going to take you seriously. And especially especially if you joke with them back or do it back towards them, it's not going to work. So you have to be like, you have to sort of get really clear. Before you set boundaries with other people, you have to get clear yourself about what boundaries are. I think, too, it can be scary, right? Like, to... to <laughs> To change the way in which you have been reacting in a relationship for your entire life can be really scary, right? Because even though maybe this parent's a bully and and clearly your relationship is not what you want it to be, you still can anticipate the outcome because it's like a dance that you've done your entire life. So one, to acknowledge that like it is scary to change these things in a dynamic. And that's why it's hard. Like mm-hmm. it's hard to make these changes um, because you don't necessarily know how they're going to react to it. But what's important is that you want something to change. You want to set that boundary to take care of yourself. So to follow through with that, it's almost a way of saying, I am going to put me first. I am going to take care of me first. And I'm going to set this boundary with you so that I can do that. Mm. I like that. Thanks. I like that. That's just a nice way. Right. Well, it's funny because somebody else had asked a question that I think goes to is how to nicely set boundaries with people you love. I do believe we can nicely set boundaries and I believe that we can harshly set boundaries. And I believe that one is actually more right than the other. I think that like 
we want to make everything sound nice and sweet because it's also a level of avoiding discomfort of conflict. So if we become overly attached to the idea about nice or good, it's usually about avoiding discomfort within ourselves. So I want you to, one, detach from that idea. Mm. A boundary is good because a boundary is for you. That's it. But what I'm assuming they're also asking is, how do I not upset other people? You can't do that. But <laughs> you can't control that. As someone who has tried for most of their have most of the past decades someone to not who upset has been other a people. People pleaser their entire life. Yes. Yes. It doesn't happen. But what you could say is it goes again, something we've talked about in the show before is stroke, stroke, kick. I love you. I appreciate you showing up to help me um, with taking care of the dog today. And it's really hard when you make comments about the type of food I feed him. That's very specific. Does that happen? (laughs) (laughs) No, no. My parents feed my dog. I kid you not. Okay. So I have a huge, huge dog for those of you who don't know. Huge. Huge. Let's post a picture of it. We will. My parents have a very little dog. My dad is obsessed with my, like, my dog is so great, right? Like, he was a rescue. He was, like, the best thing that ever happened. Like, you even say earlier, like, like Murphy's the best, right? The best. And my, Wait, my thought. Wait, can we put that in context? <laughs> Just that, like, we were saying how, like, okay, it's kind of like with kids. It's, like, you care so much about your kids and you, like, show them off. But, like, everyone really just cares about, like, their own kid or their own dog. Like, I think my dog's the best, but also Jen thinks her dog is the best, exactly. right? Like, but I think I, my kid's the best, but I'm sure another parent thinks their kid's the best, but right? But I was so, like, saying to Emily, I also think Murphy's the best. <laughs> You're like, I actually disagree with that I because I'm in love with Murphy. I actually love Murphy. Okay, okay. Continue. So, and that's because he doesn't give a lot of love back. <laughs> So he makes you very attached to him because you have to I try have atta- really hard. He brings up all my attachment <laughs> Exactly. Issues. Where your dog is like, I give you all the love you need in one second. Like a murderer could come up to me and my dog would be like, hey, so good I to see you. I know Murphy would not. He'll fucking protect my ass. See, that's nice. Mm-hmm. So, okay. But this goes back to, so like my dad is always like, I want joint custody of Murphy. Like when my parents take Murphy, no, they like, they'll, they feed him to the point where he throws up often when he stays there because they'll give him anything he wants so if he asks for more food they'll keep giving him more food and he's also he runs the house he's also huge and was a shelter dog so like they're like they have like some weird stuff with food like dogs that are rescued Mm. sometimes um so no this was in no way an example of me but i'm assuming it's an example that happens to people that their parents come in and help and they're critical things they do with their pets or kids yeah so stroke stroke kick i love you Thank you for doing um, Thank you for doing the laundry that we talked about. And we also did talk about you doing dishes. Do you think you'll be have, have time to get to that tonight? You know what I think makes that hard sometimes is that sometimes we wait so long to, yes. and we don't set a boundary for so long that we, that we develop a level of resentment. Well, that's and, and once s- we get towards that resentment, a wall starts to build. And so and as the wall builds, it's hard to come down. And so when we do that, we get to the point where a boundary ends up being like us freaking out. Right. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> that's an attack. <laughs> a boundary is not an attack. Right. When I say to you, are you fucking serious? You didn't get to the dishes again. Right. Are you serious? It's the one thing we talked about. That's resentment. That's not a boundary. Right. Right? These are two We very need to clarify things. what a boundary is. Yes. So a boundary is the thing. It's what, what's talked about is the, uh, where I can love you and me simultaneously. Yes. Right? And, you can, and you're doing it in a healthy way. And I think oftentimes. Um, healthy when, doesn't have to mean super nice. Exactly. And also I think people think about a boundary as like cutting people off. 
Yeah. Right? Like it is. Or hurting them or constricting them. Yeah, yeah. Right. But a boundary is actually something that's maintaining a relationship, right? That like a healthy relationship isn't about you giving and giving and giving to someone else. It's about a balance between the two of you. Mm -hmm. And the only way to, to maintain that balance is if you're able to speak up for your own needs as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, how to tell if your partner is emotionally unavailable or if you have unrealistic expectations? God, that's hard. I guess I would say this. When we talk about the idea of emotionally unavailable, I don't entirely know what that means. That's so. I think it also depends on what you feel like you're missing in the relationship, mm-hmm. right? Like what a question I would ask this person. That's why Q&As are hard sometimes because I have so many other questions for the people who are writing in. The question I would ask this person is what does that mean to you, mm-hmm. right? Like what are you not getting in your relationship that you're searching for? What does emotionally unavailable mean to you? What's your interpretation of that? Mm-hmm. But what I, what I hear it sounds is that you probably end up feeling very lonely in this relationship. Mm-hmm. That's what I would know. And I would say being lonely with another person there is the worst type of lonely. Right? That feeling of, am I, like, right? Like, am I deserving? That emotional neglect feeling is such, like, a cold, isolating experience. Yeah. And so, no, I don't think you have unrealistic expectations but I want to know, one, how you give it to yourself. What is missing from your partner? Yes, if you expect your partner to open the door every single night with a with like a home-cooked meal and a foot rub and ask nothing about, like, has to be reciprocal, right? So I would also say, are you emotionally giving them what they need? Mm. Do I also feel like my partner's needs are being met? Are my needs being met? And am I telling them I love them, I appreciate them, hugging them, kissing them? I also think a common misconception is that your partner is going to fulfill your needs at all times, right? Like that idea of like, this person completes me, you know? <laughs> Not a thing. I just said snot come out of my nose. <laughs> when you said that for some reason, that made me laugh to the point where snot came out of my nose. Why, why was that I don't reaction? know, because it's that funny because that people that, think that yeah, people- That's not a thing. No, but you're complete, babe. You, you are, are complete. complete. That's it. So, You're complete. But I They're think extra. This romanticized idea of like, oh, my partner is going to take care of my anytime I am stressed out or anytime I'm going through something, my partner is going to be there to take care of me. Fact of the matter is, your partner is also human. They might be stressed out too, and they also might need something at the same time. And that's mm-hmm. where we come into conflict. And so it's. You know, it's something to ask yourself is like, how often do you feel this, right? Is it happening all the time? Do you feel like your partner is sometimes able to meet your emotional needs? Um, and I think a lot of the time, and this is where, you know, we just turn into like pretty cliche therapists is like it comes down to communication. And we always say that having needs does not mean you're needy. Yep. And that being able to communicate those needs are really important, but also being realistic about what that might look like understanding that your partner is also human they are not going to be able to meet your needs at all times but it's important to communicate them and the times in which your partner is maybe unable to be there for a certain reason how do you meet those needs in other ways can you lean on friends can you lean on yourself can you lean on your dog Mm. can you lean on your cat can you lean on your fish i really i feel like this is turning into like a wrap don't physically lean on your fish you will kill it and you might drown (laughs) how big is 
What? In your koi pond. Okay. How do you deal with a sister who is also a roommate who's in a toxic relationship? Now, we're going to probably have an unpopular opinion about this one. Wait, wait, wait. Where are you? I'm on the uh, number 14. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Number 14, guys. Everyone listening and paying attention is number 14. Okay, I've been having an unpopular opinion about this. Okay. Other people, we can't have people get out of a bad relationship. It doesn't matter how much we love them out of something. Same thing, you can't love someone out of addiction. This is not a thing that you can do, right? And so you can decide what works for me in this relationship, right? Can I not be around the two of you together? Can I not drink with the two of you together? Can I not, like, you know what I mean? Like, what are the boundaries I need to set up? But, like, you can't convince anyone to leave a relationship. And that's incredibly difficult when somebody you love is in a bad situation. Whether that is in an abusive relationship, whether that's a toxic relationship, whether that is dealing with addiction or like some other type of like unhealthy behavior or dysfunction, it's really hard to see someone we love suffer and it's very hard to be in that space. What it might mean is that you can't live with them. That sucks. What it might mean is that you can't go out with them on a Saturday night. That sucks. What it might mean is that when they're hanging out in your living room together, you have to go in your bedroom. That sucks. All of this sucks and you can say to your you can say to your sister I love you and I'm worried about you I love you and I want to make sure but like people have to make decisions for themselves for them to stick I think so something that happens too sometimes is that you know we try to communicate this to our loved ones right like I see that you're in a bad relationship or and you recognize they're not taking your advice or they're not and so we start to get frustrated we're like come on like I've I've you why don't you see this there are so many red flags um, and when we start to get frustrated, we start to get angry at this person, mm-hmm. right? The tough thing about that is, is that it isolates them even more in this toxic relationship. And that's so, not going to make them leave. That's like, exactly. that's not going to upset that's them. I think to think about, okay, is there a way to set those boundaries, but also say to your friend, your sister, whoever, I'm here for you whenever you need me. Like, you understand my feelings about this. I care about you very much. These are the boundaries that I'm going to set up. But just so you know, I am always here for you throughout this because I think sometimes in toxic relationships, they can also isolate the person. And the more isolated they are, um, the more they stick in the toxic relationship. So it's not your responsibility to get them out. You can let them know how you feel. But to be able to be there for them through that, I think is really important and something that you know, we forget mm-hmm. and we just get frustrated and then they feel even more pulled into the relationship because they're like, this is the only person who cares about me. But do they? I always cry when arguing with my husband and it's so hard to communicate my needs. Tips, write it out. Also cry in your free time. <laughs> Are you crying enough in other places? And this is coming from two time? people who love to cry. So... <laughs> As someone who cries often, I'm wondering, are you crying enough? Let yourself. I think having another space. So like all the things, sometimes if you um, are one who holds things in, um, if you're not giving yourself the space to say all the things that you're feeling in the relationship like separately, and that doesn't mean necessarily like going to a friend and talking shit on your partner, but maybe you're going to therapy. Maybe you're, you know, just to like talk it out or write it out to get it out beforehand to let the emotions come out. Because sometimes when we hold those feelings in for so long and we don't have the space to get them out and we start to talk about them, it just like 
just an outpour. Mm-hmm. But also, like, that's okay that you're crying. Well, that's what I mean, right? I wonder if it's okay, but it's overwhelming for you that you feel like you can't, like, get the words out you want to say. And that's what I mean. That, like, I think that, like, in the past few years, there's been, like, this obsession about, like, talking to people in person. And, like, sometimes we, like, can't and don't, right? Like, if, like, the best way you're going to communicate is through writing or through texting, like, I actually don't think that's problematic. Same. Right? Sure. Maybe it'd be better if it was in person so there could be, like, maybe some more repair and, like, love and, like, hugging afterwards. But, like, also sometimes, like, you're just too activated in your emotions to be able to do that and I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with writing it out or walking in with like something to that meaning and also I want you to think about if it's arguing versus having a discussion if I'm arguing what you're telling me is the emotions are already activated so it's going to be really hard to pull yourself down if my partner and I have a weekly team huddle where we talk things out it's not only emotionally reactive I wonder if you would be able to hold those emotions back in a different way and be able to communicate. Also, if you can communicate about your communication, like to let your partner know, hey, listen, sometimes when I talk about this stuff, I get really emotional. And I just want to let you know, it's just a reflection of like release for me. And sometimes it takes me a little bit longer to get my point across. So when we talk, sometimes I'm going to be crying and and it's just it's just because it's a release and I need to be able to um, get it out at times. And so I wonder another question I would have for this person is how is your partner responding to you crying? Like, does it make mm. them uncomfortable? Does it seem like it's more intense than it actually, you know, like, is there a response to your crying? Because I think sometimes, um, you know, if people didn't grow up in an environment where crying was okay, where it was a sign of weakness, where it was a sign of something being really terribly wrong, I wonder what it brings up for your partner if there's an intense reaction to it. Is there anxiety that's being brought up for your partner? So almost communicating about the communication and what the tears might mean for you, because they might be different for you than they would be for your partner, like if your partner was crying during during the conversation. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, we're going to do a, a whole scenario now. Perfect. My mom drives me crazy. Okay, we'll say my mom struggles with me. My my mom makes me, my feelings activated, and I feel so guilty. I live at home, obviously, growing up and through college. Since I left home after graduation and moved to New York City 10 years ago, our relationship has been on the rocks. We don't relate to the same things anymore, and I feel guilty. Everything she says annoys me, and it makes me not want to open up to her about certain things. Please help. You know what I'm going to say? You got some healing to do, my friend. Healing to do, my friend. We got to talk about what's happened in your heart. We got some healing to do. Right. So, I'm not saying your mom's not the most difficult Did person. Did that be the opener? <laughs> That's so good. No, oh, no, I don't think that should be anything. We should probably edit that out. We can make like a greatest episode. hits. <laughs> greatest hits. Right? String tricks, greatest hits. <laughs> they will make your ears bleed. Um... Shrink, 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 Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying your mom's not the most difficult woman in the world. She might be. Your mom might be so difficult to work with and super triggering and all those things. But I want to know where the disconnect is. There's hurt there. If I have annoyance, I have hurt. So whether that's I've struggled in setting boundaries with her, I struggle in setting boundaries with someone else, there is a hurt, a rupture that happened in this relationship that you have not healed yet. I don't know what that is for you. But I think if you're not in individual therapy, you're going to need to be. I 
Well, it's coming to my mind too. This person lived with their mom um, growing up and throughout college. And I'm just wondering how dependent mom felt on you for... And if there's anyone else in the house. If there's anyone else in the house. Like, is there level of dependence that mom felt for you and that like this is a transition of moving from maybe being in more of a codependent I'm assuming because that's the only thing we could do with these questions is like more of a codependent kind of relationship where mom's depending on you for her emotional well-being and that you're growing up and you're developing your own sense of self and that that transition might be really challenging for mom. Well and you had said about that we don't relate to the same things anymore and I think that's true you are not the same people You're as you were identity. and so if you want to have a new relationship with mom you have to create a new relationship with mom that's different than the one you had before and you may need to grieve the one you had before and so may she but if you want to have a relationship with her to say like i guess we need to figure out something else to do together maybe that means if she comes to visit or you guys go meet in the middle you do activities and there's less talking right like if it feels like it's always gossipy or always like talking about like emotional stuff like maybe you want to go do like adventurous things and learn something new together try something new like when we go visit our parents like we can do something different not what we've always done i think it's really easy when we go back into our childhood homes to like completely regress back that all of a sudden i'm like sitting on the couch and like fighting with my mom <laughs> like whatever like what's like, coming what up happened? i'm a therapist how did this even well i'm like why well, why do we feel like I like two, two, one, family dynamics why am i like why has it been like 20 like 20 years later i'm still doing the same fucking shit right? it's amazing like like you know and I'm, I know that you have this experience too, but like you could talk to your mom about something and someone, someone else could say the same exact thing. Your mom says it. You're like, oh. <laughs> stop it. Stop it right now. Just, so because it, like it brings that. up something for you. There's yeah. something unhealed there, right? So I would say one, you could definitely transition the relationship you have. But two, I want you to like look a little bit deeper about what is it? Where is my anger and frustration in her? And maybe it's not the thing she's saying now. Maybe it's stuff from the past that I haven't allowed myself to feel. And um, you know mm-hmm. what? You're developing. It sounds like you're at a point where you're developing your own identity. And we talked about this earlier that when you change something in a relationship and you change something in the system, the whole system changes. And so I think it's very natural that because you're moving, it's a change in the dynamic. It's a change in the system. Mom is going to have a reaction to it. You're going to have a reaction to it. And so it's not necessarily a sign of something's wrong. It's a, it, it can be a sign of growth and growth can be painful. Mm-hmm. I'm a teacher, third year, and I'm miserable in my job. I know deep down I need to quit for my mental health, but I'm really struggling with feelings of guilt over leaving my students mid-year. Any advice? Oh. Nikki, what do you think? Okay, Nikki says the hardest part about leaving, but it's temporary, the pain and discomfort. Listen, it's going to suck. You're probably a great teacher. And also, so, you're definitely a great teacher. Yeah, you're saying you that, like, I'm staying here for the kids. Yeah, right. I also think one of the things we're seeing on, specifically the United States, we're seeing on a social level is what, you know, the great departure, which is all these people leaving their jobs. Nurses, teachers, people that have, there is like a very much like a blood brother. It's like a band, right? Like, we stick with it. We're teachers. We're nurses. This is what we do. But the reality is, is y'all aren't being paid enough. You're being treated shitty and nothing changes if nothing changes. 
So you have to save yourself first. And I know that sucks. And honestly, probably as a kid, there was teachers I loved. If they left, it would have impacted me too, right? Like this really sucks. There is no easy way to do this. But I want to ask you, what would it be like to leave? If you were to think about two weeks after, after the initial anxiety goes down a little bit, right? What your day would feel like, how you feel connected to your body, how you'd feel connected to the relationships in your life, right? Like, could there be joy that you experience? You know, I also, um, I also think to think about too, you know, it sounds like you're a very empathetic teacher. You care so much about your kids. You being burnt out and not being able to take care of yourself is going to take away from how much you can give to the kids anyway. So you have to be able to put yourself first. We always say on this podcast that in order to take care of anyone else, you have to take care of yourself first. And if that doesn't feel like it's possible right now, there are other teachers who maybe feel like they can do the work or feel like they're not as burnt out who maybe can give to those kids. Just to remind yourself, you are not the only one who can help them. It doesn't mean they're going to be left to their own devices. Um, and that it's just so important that you also take care of yourself first, but we understand how hard it is to make that transition, especially when you have spent so much time prepping for this, right? Like you prepare in your head, I'm going to be a teacher and this is what it's going to look like. And this is the journey. And, and you, it's almost an identity that you build for yourself. So also to be able to pull yourself out of that identity, there's a lot of grieving that can come with Mm -hmm. that too. Oh, speaking of identity, I have a good one. I don't think this one has to do with boundaries, but here we are. Now we've sort of moved on to jobs. Um, Somebody wrote in, how to get past feeling of thinking I can't be in a relationship until I figure out what to do career-wise. Why would someone want to be with me if I don't know what I want for my future? So I want to ask you first, where did you get the idea that your identity is your career? Who told you that? Are you talking to us? Is that in the video? Is that that to me? To you? I don't know. But, right, one... What does your career have to do with why a mate picks you? Who taught you that? Was it your family? Yeah, where did that idea come from that, like, you had to have it all figured out? And someone's only going to love you if you figure it out. Right? I'm only worthy of love and full acceptance if I I knew everything. Was it, uh, like, your grades, right? Like, growing up, is it if you got good grades, you got some sort of love, you got some Mm -hmm. sort of appreciation, some sort of achievement? Like, it was achievement really big in your family so to ask yourself those questions where does mm-hmm. that idea come from what kind of did you ever get like um like presents for getting good grades or anything or no like i've had a sort of- severe learning disability my entire life I, I like i like my grades were garbage my entire life right yeah i no, can't I believe i got into college <laughs> <laughs> you're doing pretty well for yeah yourself. i but i like I, no like there was no i was not my older brother was very smart Same. i am i am not academically smart some would maybe say stupid for school, right? Like, I no, I, so I was not getting any type of um, presents or rewards there. God, <laughs> and what's it like to have a smart older brother? We both had very intelligent very o- older brothers. Yeah, it makes brothers. you feel like garbage. Mine, he was like an enrichment and like, you know, all the enrichment kids get taken And out. both our brothers are still killing it. Crushing it. We're just cursing on a podcast. <laughs> I feel trying. like I'll, I'll call and I'll be like, hey, this is right. He's like, that's great. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> I just closed, like, my brother's like, oh, I just closed, like, a $300 million deal. I'm like, cool. I said fuck on a podcast today. Um, okay. But I would also say, like, maybe, 
like when we talk about like what I want to do right like until I figured out career eyes like what if you don't want a career like what if you just want to be happy and in love like I have to tell you like that's okay that's okay too like maybe like this idea of like loving what you like it's super cool like we love every day like we're very very lucky that we're super passionate but that's not everyone for right. some people a job is just a job and that's it and it's a paycheck and like there's detachment okay. from it and that's totally fine and what they love is like say, like hanging out like taking their dogs on hikes and what they love is like spending time with their family and what they love is going kayaking and what they, right like there's like other shit that you can love in this life and not knowing exactly what you want in this life does not mean you're not worthy of full love and acceptance because you truly, truly are. I have to say, like, did you know what you wanted to do? When did you know what you wanted to do? I told you I always wanted to be a teacher. Right. And frankly, just so everyone knows, all of these Q&As are making it when, very easy that I didn't I make that decision. College, I had, I mean, I majored in psychology, had no fucking idea what I wanted to do. My parents would be like, what do you want to do with your life? They were, I was like, I don't know. They were like, what do you like? I, like, I definitely sleeping? just wanted to drink and party. I just, I was like, I just like sleeping. Should I be like a mattress tester? <laughs> <laughs> You'd be such a good mattress tester. No, I just wanted to like probably, I just wanted to like drink and party. Like I can promise you. Right. That's like all I wanted to be like an alcoholic for your future. (laughs) Thankfully, I did turn that around. Right. It's not. Now I don't barely drink alcohol at all, honestly. (laughs) Right. Like I'm actually like not a big drinker at all because like I actually just don't like alcohol. Change careers. Yeah, I just change (laughs) careers. (laughs) But no, like, like for me, that was like an easy one. So. So it's, it's okay to not know. It's actually, I think, pretty common to not know. And it just and it just doesn't say anything at all about your worth. I'm wondering if maybe it's difficult because when you're dating, people say like, well, what do you do? And do you love what you do? Or what's your passion? Like, I wonder if maybe part of it is like what the experience of dating is like mm. when you don't have that figured out and how I can imagine that that could feel overwhelming and isolating to have those conversations over and over again. So what I would say is if that's the experience, come up with a script. I sure as hell don't know what I do with my career, but you know what I really know is that I don't want to work a nine to five the rest of my life, or I don't want to have a job that I take home with me, or I only want a nine to five and I don't ever do anything else, right? Like maybe you could say the things like, I don't know what I want, but here's what I know I don't want. And what I also want is life and balance. And that's okay too. Beautiful. I also, you know, a question that came up in my mind is like, if it, if this is something that's coming up during dating, what's your idea of what they might be thinking about you? Right. Like of the because it might highlight what insecurities you might have about it. Right. We often project our own insecurities onto other people to say, oh, they must be thinking this about me if I tell them that I don't have a career. Yeah. So what's the worry about what they might be thinking? Because chances are they're probably not thinking that. No. And if they are, they might not be the right fit for you. Okay. Let's let's fit in one more. We, we have a minute. We have what we have just okay. a few minutes. I feel stuck in a job with a company culture that does not have morals and standards I agree with and the people there are very negative. It's mentally draining being around these people and we're stuck in the office even during pandemic times. I know I need to get out for not only my sake but for my fiance who puts up with my anger and or crying self depending on the day. I've started applying to jobs. Yay! I started applying for jobs but have so much anxiety around quitting and I'm trying to figure out how and why I feel this way and the best way to acknowledge my feelings but also do what's best for me. Love you guys. We love you. Yeah, you got to go. Here's the deal. It feels so uncomfortable to quit because this has been such an unsafe environment, right? Like it's like leaving an abusive relationship. The scariest part is the leaving. You don't focus on how good it's going to feel. So what I would say to you is focus less on how uncomfortable that's going to be. This shit's going to suck. It's going to suck to quit. That's like that's a guarantee. 
But I want you to focus, how am I going to feel two weeks after? Right, that same thing we talked about before. If I could see myself in two weeks after, when I'm in a place that feels right for me, when I have gotten past this, what's that gonna feel like? Do I feel like my chest inflates and I can breathe? Do I feel like my neck pulls down and the, the anxiety goes off of everything? Can I feel my pelvic floor relax, right? Like, like truly, like what could I feel in my body thinking about after this is done, what life could be like? And that's where I want you to focus it in on. The fact that you're feeling angry and crying often from your job is a sign. Your body's done and it's time for you to be done too. So. And if it's affecting other areas of your life, mm-hmm. right? It's affecting, you know, the fact that you've already started applying for jobs, amazing. You're getting there. It's a process and sometimes, um, you know, we stay in things because they're comfortable. They're something we know, even though they're torturing us. And so... It sounds like you're taking that step. It's just scary because yeah. it's the unknown and it's going to be different. But we love you. You're crushing it. Keep fighting the good fight. How's that? How many other sayings can I put at the end? <laughs> that was really oh, good. And I got corrected. Kung Fu fighting. What? I, got, <laughs> I got corrected on one of my sayings. As I said, kill two birds with one stone. That's probably not appropriate. Oh, somebody said Peter Someone came out with something. And said PETA came up with feeding two birds with one scone. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Very good. Okay. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode or you feel like somebody else might enjoy it too, please send to them. We encourage you to um, give us a five-star review. Rate, review, subscribe, and follow us on Apple Podcast. Um, hey, we did a really fun merch giveaway on our Instagram. If you wrote Thank a review, you so who wrote a my review. God, seventy-three people oh. wrote reviews. It was super, super awesome. We're gonna start doing them more regularly if you're interested. But hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. Because to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. Warning though, there will be no surface level conversations here. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image after trying to check all those be healthy boxes, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. I truly believe how you feel on the inside reflects out into every aspect of your life. So if you're ready to go below skin deep to tap into a whole other level of wellness, you're in the right place. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks.